My name is Dr. Mike. I was born and raised in Rochester, New York, and I'm proud of where I came from. While I have since moved to greener pastures and found happiness in the flyover states, I still have a certain fondness for the flower city, especially its signature food, the plate. Unfortunately, watching from afar, the city has declined from a titan of industry and cultural powerhouse to a pit of despair and corruption held together by bubblegum and duct tape. Nonetheless, nothing will take away my memories of the Rochester I grew up in, except maybe the senility of old age. So before that happens, come join me as we reminisce about the things that made Rochester special. Come join me for a flyover plate. Welcome to the August 2023 edition of the Flyover Plates podcast. I am your host, tour guide, and amateur psychiatrist, Dr. Mike. I want to thank all of you for downloading this podcast and being listeners. And it, it really helps me and makes me feel good that I'm doing this and others are listening and being entertained and... It really does. It really does mean a lot. So, thank you to Nolan DeRosia for his music, and all of you for taking the time to tune in and listen to me ramble for a little while. Now, let me introduce my co-host, born and raised in the rough and tumble streets of Parenton, New York. He has scratched and clawed, toiled and labored his way into becoming a force in the technology world. Whether it's outsmarting big tech to prevent update attacks and save people's precious files on their computer. Whether it be tormenting scammers on his immensely popular computer exorcist podcast and forcing them to see the error of their ways or whether it's outsmarting the cable company so that we can watch the Spice Channel without the squiggly lines. What? Here he is, <laughs> fresh off a seven-day cleanse where he ate nothing but McDonald's pizza and Dunkaroos and drank <laughs> nothing but Surge, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Anthony Arena. Mark, how are you this evening, sir? <laughs> You always have to do this, like, uh, come in unprepared so that you catch me off guard. The Dunkaroos? Dunkaroos, Surge. my friend. Dunkaroos. I haven't heard of Surge in decades. I don't even remember what it is. It's like poor man's Mountain Dew. Oh, right. <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to show you YouTube clips of old commercials because it's just, it's like skateboarders and all sorts of just douchiness ar around some drink that's like a combination of Mountain Dew and battery acid at this point. Uh, um, hey, side so note, yes, I go to your, I thought you would enjoy that, <laughs> but do you remember like in the day when McDonald's used to have pizza on their menu? 
No, I do There's not. A- I, I remember McDonald's having hot dogs in the Toronto Blue Jays stadium, but only oh. because it was baseball. Like back in the mid-90s, they had pizza. And honestly, it wasn't half bad, but what? nobody goes to McDonald's for pizza. They go for the Big Macs, the Quarter Pounders, the, the French fries, the Chicken McNuggets, all that good stuff. So, um, so yeah. I, I figured you'd enjoy that. That's been bottling up for the last couple weeks, and I I needed to bring that out. <laughs> so, um, who goes co- to McDonald's for pizza? And Burger King tried to sell hot dogs for a minute. They did for a minute and a half, and of course, it failed miserably. Uh... So, Mark, it's August. It's late August. It's a great time to be in upstate New York. You guys get to gloat because. Everybody back here in Ohio is at school. We've pretty much given up on summer. You have a few more days before Labor Day weekend, and the weather's still nice. The New York State Fair is going on. It's a good time, man. It's a good time. Wish I was up there. And you just bought a house, from what I understand. Yeah, I don't know what in my right mind told me to buy a house in Rochester, but honestly, I was just trying to get a cheap place where it'll cost me less to live so that I can travel to non-Rochester more. That's my whole deal, is I just want a place for my cars and speakers and fish tank that costs me very little per month so I can get out of here. Well, congratulations on the new house, and hopefully I get to see it before too long, before it gets buried in snow or it gets taxed into oblivion. You know, and I had some ground bees today that I was looking at and... Oh, yeah? They... It's the only, and I mean only, time in my life that I'm glad that Rochester has winter for 14 months out of the year. Because then it's like, all right, cool, you know what? There's bees, but they're only there for a month. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, when I tell people, like, I do my little offhand comment, right? Because I always tell people from out of town, I'm like, yeah, you know, Rochester, they're like, how's the weather? I'm like, yeah, it's all, you know, the summer's nice. But then we get about 13, 14 months of, of snow and gray. And they just, people are are in autopilot mode nowadays. And they're mm-hmm. just like, oh, wow, it's terrible. Oh, wow. You, know, you did, totally don't you did get miss, it. Yeah, you did miss part of the, the intro about uh, de-squiggling the Spice Channel from back in the day. Oh, right, right. Right, that's a stick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hang on, let's let's go back to that a second. What? <laughs> that's not even a thing anymore. Like the the squiggle totally isn't, isn't a thing, and the channel is gone, and the <laughs> squiggle vision is was always there though. Ah, squiggle vision and the cable boxes. I loved. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Do you remember the mid eighties wood grain cable boxes? Oh yeah. I think actually the early 80s ones were probably actual wood and late 80s ones were were just that faux wood. And they had to say simulated walnut on the sticker. That's when they started outsourcing it to China. Yeah, and making it plastic but wood grain. Yes. Yeah, they could just put some nice balsa wood and paint it on there. Yeah, and then the 90s cable boxes, they were like that cool black. And they had the cool remote, and they had a menu system, even though it was analog yep. cable. Those were the best. Like those were the days when those just were the like days, we, man. Yeah, like when we talked about the movie rental, right? It was just a sense mm-hmm. of occasion. Like you went to a rich friend's house, and you had a cable box, or do yeah, you a cable box? Right? You saw somebody who had HBO. 
Yeah, we did have HBO, but we didn't have Disney Channel. And back when oh, Disney Channel was wholesome right. family entertainment, it was like twice a year when we got when Disney Channel was unsquiggled for like a preview yes. for kids for like a week. Oh, because why would heaven. they put Disney Channel on a premium tier? Seriously. Yeah. I mean, nowadays, Disney Channel is just run-of-the-mill, and kids don't appreciate what they have. They don't know that oh, no. Disney Channel was a coveted service back then. Oh, it was. The classic Absolutely. Donald Duck stuff. But, man, I remember going over to a friend's house, and, man, if they had HBO, they were like kings. And if they had <laughs> Cinemax, I mean, that just put them on, on a whole other level. Yeah, those are like Victor and Menden people right there. Not my kind of people, but people from the rough and tumble streets of Parenton. <laughs> like me. Um, do you remember the giant 80s satellite dishes? Oh, my goodness. Um, those those were, things were eyesores. No, I loved it because it, here's the deal. And this is something I just came up out of nowhere, right? But, of course, this is Flyover Plates show. So why not talk about something nostalgic that pops into mind? Absolutely. So there was, um, I believe it was called KA Band Satellite, and I'll look this up, but it was basically, uh, you know, this giant, like, what, six-foot um, diameter oh, yeah. satellite dish. And here's the deal. Um, it was... All right, so in the 90s, right, you had satellite dishes <clears throat> and those were you know the picture was crystal clear and cd quality sound and they couldn't say dvd quality because dvds weren't out yet but yeah it was digital picture and sound yes everything was, was cool. digital digital was the big word back in the 90s back when it was like good and it was an improvement but um there were actually two competing services there was dish network and then there was direct tv which was actually launched by general motors um, oh, really? I yeah, did not know that. Dish Network did their own proprietary dishes and boxes and hard, you know, all the hardware. But um, okay. DirecTV was smart because in the old days, they partnered with uh, RCA, Sony, and a couple other people to make the actual hardware. So you had a choice in hardware. It was really cool. My neighbor had DirecTV with Sony equipment. It was awesome. I do remember that because... We bought a DirecTV dish with Sony equipment, cool. and oh, it was wow. so much better than the RCA one. Oh, cool. And, I mean, I would have been happy even with the RCA one, but, yeah, the Sony was actually really cool. Hey, side, side, side note, I found at Goodwill for, like, six bucks a Sony satellite receiver, and really? I happened to have a remote that I had bought on eBay for it hmm. because I thought they were cool. Like, way before I found the receiver, I just bought a remote for a sony satellite because i thought it was cool anyway so i i found the receiver at goodwill so i reunited the two and said oh i got a remote for you and stared at it for a while thought it was really cool and nostalgic but then i donated it to the antique wireless museum just so it's kept forever yeah i'm sure don Howard knows about it yeah. Anyway, so to finish my story about KA Band Satellite. So in the 90s, we had the digital stuff, and it was controlled by one of two companies, and your experience was controlled mm -hmm. the whole way around. But sure. the beauty of KA Band is it was basically anarchy. Okay? So you bought a satellite dish. It was yours. It was a piece of metal that you bought that was yours. You didn't get it from any satellite company or whatever. You got it from your independent guy, like Bob's Satellite out of Hilton. I remember hiring Charlotte Video and Appliance. And Okay, they had them, right? You just bought a piece of metal and stuck it in your yard, and it was yours. And as you would say, as God and Beyonce intended. 
That's right. So you just stuck it up in the air and hoped for the best. And there were all sorts of 70s and 80s satellites up there with really cool names that were somewhat appropriate, like Galaxy 9 or Galaxy 3. And you would just get whatever you got. Okay, it was not a walled garden approach, right? It was just whatever you got. And I saw them, especially in the outer limits of Rochester, right? In the town of Ontario or (laughs) places beyond, right? In the Twilight Zone. You would see them all the time. So places outside of Monroe County where they actually could breathe clean air and drink clean water and (laughs) weren't afraid of getting shot on a regular basis. Right. And... So these KA satellites were just out there. There was, you know, it was late 70s, early 80s started, and you had some kind of, it probably wasn't a hand crank, it was probably a motor, but you could, of course, rotate the dish to, to point to different satellites, and it would it would be programmed at certain angles, so it would go to a certain angle, and it knew that Galaxy 9 was at a certain angle, and you got whatever you got. So a lot of it was probably foreign programming, a lot of it was raw feeds, okay? So let's say you're CBS, oh, wow. or you're the Weather Channel, or whatever, and you send a dude out there with a van, right, and they have the little satellite dish on the top of their van that was broadcasting whatever the local correspondent was doing right with their cameraman so cameraman would set up point the satellite up uh, on the top Mm -hmm. of your van and so you were getting raw feeds from correspondents you were getting all sorts of stuff and then they did have that squiggly line stuff for the premium content you'd buy a card directly from okay mike directly from a um one of many, right? Again, it's it's a world. It's like a bazaar, right? It's one of mm-hmm. many providers that were out there could sell you a little satellite card, and of course they had the pirate cards that would decode. Was that everything. the same thing as the descrambler? Sort of. Well, yeah, they sold cable descrambler boxes in the back of magazines, oh. and you could plug okay. those into cable. Um, I remember hearing services. about those. Yeah, and and certain states they were legal, whatever, and they would just unscramble everything. But this was similar, where you'd buy a little card or a satellite descrambler box, and you'd just descramble anything, right? But anyway, point was, you it was it was um not owned by one person, right? There's a book called The right. Cathedral and the Bazaar, and they talk about that. How you could have a walled garden approach that's owned by a single architect, right? And that's how what happened in the nineties. Right. But but this mm-hmm. was a bizarre. It was a monopolistic competition. It was just anyone out there doing whatever you wanted. I just talked to a group of ham radio guys on Reddit last week, and they said there are a handful of stations out there that you can still <clears throat> receive if you have one of these glorious eighties satellites. Really? Now that I own a piece of God's green earth, I could theoretically get one of these early 80s satellite dishes and, and use the hand crank and point it up at the sky. <clears throat> um, I actually, two quick things, and I'll, I'll let you have the helm again. Um, in the 90s, when we were at McQuaid High School, I was part of the AV club. It was me and my cronies, and we would like play Sega Genesis in, in this little closet in the library, and that we were we would wheel TVs down to students, down to teachers and students. But we had, if you the the satellite dish, it probably fell off the roof at some point. But we had this KA satellite dish, and we would explore the world with it. We would point it at different satellites. And we would receive lots of squiggly channels, and once a while, like a sports or news broadcast or something, it was so cool. And a lot of, like, test stations 
it was so cool, especially connected to a late seventies Sears color television, solid state oh, yeah. television that was on a, the wheels in the cart. It was so trippy, and the satellite in the roof would rotate, whatever. Um, so that was amazing. It was my only direct experience with one, and that feeling, right? Again, of just being mm-hmm. in this little closet and exploring the world. I always wanted to replicate that. And later on in my future projects, right, with my Streamplicity project, I tried to replicate that exploratory experience. So last thing, right after college, I wanted a satellite dish. I didn't have room for the giant, you know, eight-footer dish. Right. And I didn't have the money for anything ever. So I got (laughs) kind of a combination of the two. There's a DBS satellite system that wasn't a walled garden from DirecTV or Dish Network. It it was Hmm. mainly used by people in other countries. Okay. And it was slightly, it's a one meter dish instead of the whatever one foot One meter, how how civilized of you. Right. It was a one meter dish. It was ovular, right? Instead of the circular uh, DBS. Sure. Uh, or DSS, sorry. The proprietary one in America with DirecTV and Dish Network were DSS, right? So the one yes. that was the, the one that I got for foreigners was DBS, and it just means digital okay. broadcast satellite. So I hired a guy to come over and point it at the stars uh, to the appropriate um, satellite in space, and I got 987 channels of Arabic programming. And one um, that would spend half the day, 12 hours in Hindi movies, which were glorious. And I would have friends come over, and we would just sit around making up what we thought they were saying. So there were no dubbing, no subtitles. It was just straight Hindi in the native language. Yeah, half a day, one channel was Hindi movies. The rest of it was 986 and a half channels of Arabic programming, no subtitles. (laughs) So my friends and I would sit around guessing at what they were saying. It was so wonderful. (laughs) Thank you, eBay. Oh, Oh, the goodness of that. Well, if you ever need it, I do have a satellite dish because I don't have DirecTV anymore. It's just sitting in my backyard. So if you want to plant it in your backyard and rig it to whatever you want to put on it, then be my guest. I just might. Um, so I don't know how we got on that topic, but it's a beautiful thing. It's nostalgia. It's about exploring and freedom. Well, it's some. It, it's something that you can do in Rochester in the summertime when there isn't smog, smoke from gunfire. <laughs> When you could see the stars and the sunset, man, I, I'll tell you, the other night I was driving home and I go to my six-year-old, I go, man, look at that sunset. It is absolutely gorgeous. And he's like, dad, what's wrong with you? I'm like, dude, you realize I never really got to see the sunset until I got out of Rochester, out of New York for that matter. But um, now it's just, it's just, you get to sit on my back porch with you know a beer in my hand maybe recording a podcast and just watching the sunset. It's, it's very peaceful, very therapeutic. Um, big sky, big sky indeed. And I'm just in Ohio, man, man, when you go out to like Montana or Wyoming, you know, when you're fighting for space with the elk and the moose, it's probably even more beautiful than that. But again, Mark, it's, it's a great time. I, I always remember this time of year because the New York state fair, was going on and it was the pretty much the one thing that put Syracuse on the map that made actually everybody flock to central New York 
Syracuse football did a little bit. Syracuse basketball did a little bit. But the New York State Fair, man, they just brought everybody in. I knew people who spent the whole two weeks doing valet parking or collecting tickets or basically making bank for the time that they were there working the the fair, whether it was 95-degree heat, whether it was 40 degrees and 7 o'clock in the morning. They they were there, and then there were just some things about the New York State Fair that that I that I do enjoy, um, and they've really made some they've really made some progress. But it's always that time of year, um, especially when I went to college, because then it was that first week of school. We weren't really quite in classes. We weren't really into the swing of things. You knew Labor Day was coming up again, so nobody really cared. And people would just go to the concerts. People would go to the fair. People watch. I went to the fair a few times. And, um, you know, there was just a whole bunch of people there. And do you remember, what, what, like, what was your favorite thing about the fair? Do you, do you, was it the butter sculpture? Was it the the milk for a dollar? Was it the food? Was it, you know, what, what was it? People? I actually wasn't allowed to go. I've never been. You've never been. <laughs> no, but I do love the, well, back to your Catholic school carnivals from a prior episode. I did Oh, I love, love the Catholic school carnivals. Right? I would throw the ping pong ball into the little fish bowls, and then I'd win a goldfish. Yep. That was the only thing I That's loved. Right. And the fried dough. Again. And, of course, then you have Cletus, the eerily prophetic meth head from Chittenango, telling you it's six more weeks until snow hits. <laughs> you're, but, you're really prophet. What? Eerily prophetic meth head. Meth head. <laughs> and then, we, and then now you can, after Labor Day, the kids go back to school, and now you can delve into... Pre-winter, because there really is no fall in New York. It's just, it you know, leaves turn and then it frosts over and then you're back to your 10 months of misery. <laughs> yeah, and, and my brother says, uh, people just hunker down. Like, after Labor Day, all pools shut down, all fun yep. shuts down. People hunker down and they're getting ready. They get the Buffalo Bills and hot chocolate and they buy another Chevy because their their weak old Chevy rusted already. <laughs> And they just hunker down for another 14 months of misery. Are you forgetting one thing? They start strapping the plows on the front of the truck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to start doing that. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I just remember, like, the butter sculpture was just amazing. They would do some in, very ornate artwork with that. What was and, it? Um, What's a butter You know, we're getting up on Labor Day. It's been, you know, it's been a good summer, man. It's been a heck of a, heck of a month, though. It's been busy as all get out. Um, I went to Iowa earlier this month Ooh, and, um, shout got, out. A, got an adventure to that. Um, cause I was going out to Iowa. I got selected to go do a tournament in Iowa city at the university and, uh, junior Olympic championships. And of course, when I told Bridget, like I got selected to go, she goes, all right, we're booking tickets. You're going like, we're all going. I get to hang out with my family. The kids get to hang out with the cousins. You get to go referee. So we booked a flight. We booked a flight. We went, we spent almost a week out there and, you know, we had our tickets booked and everything. Everything was going great. That Tuesday we, we got there early. We even had time to go to Sam's club and get 
food for the kids and ice cream and like we had all the time in the world. We got there so easily and the Dayton airport is very easy to get through. So we get there, we get to the ticket counter and the gate agent just kind of brush it off like, eh, you know, we're going to have a little bit of a delay. One of the crew members overslept. They're trying to find a replacement X, Y, and Z. Well, <laughs> all right. So I, you know, I, I brought my golf clubs too. So my, my golf clubs went in the checked bag and then we went up to the gate and then little did we know that it turned in almost a two hour delay. We were going to miss our connection in Chicago. My kids were freaking out. They're like, what do you mean? We're not going to go see grandma and grandpa we're not gonna go see our cousins oh no we're going to see our cousins don't worry we're gonna find a way to get there so credit to my wife um she was scouring like flights different flights different airports etc and she found out that the flight that was going from dayton to chicago was the same plane same plane and everything that was going on from chicago to des moines which is about a two-hour drive from where my in-laws live she goes, Mike, you're getting on that plane because you have to work tomorrow. I'm like, okay, fine. You know, you get to go. And she, she made arrangements. Her father and her father picked me up and all's well. And they flew into Moline, which is about an hour and a half the other way in Illinois. So I literally walk off the plane. I go help Bridget and the kids get on their flight to Moline. I walk back on the same plane, get to Des Moines. And then I get bombarded with text messages from the airline saying that my oh. bag didn't make it. My golf clubs didn't make it. No. I'm like, I am on, I, I was on the same flight. You didn't even have to take it off the plane. Like, the people in Chicago couldn't put two and two together. So they're like, well, your bag's still in Chicago. And granted, it was just golf clubs. I didn't really make a big deal out of it. But mm. they're like, okay, well. You know, it'll get here on the on the first flight. And I'm like, okay, well, can you reroute the the bag to go to Sea Rapids on the first flight? My in-laws live 10 minutes from the airport. Somebody can go even pick it up Much so they don't have to deliver it to the house. They're like, yeah, we could do that. We could just put a note in there saying, hey, please reroute to Cedar Rapids. So the next day I check my phone. I'm at, I'm at the field. I check my phone and lo and behold, what do the geniuses at the ticket counter at the airline do? They send the plane, the bag to Des Moines. Mm. So it's sitting there two hours away, and I'm like, well, they're going to have to drive to deliver it to me because that's what they're supposed to do when you lose luggage. And they could have had this all avoided. One, to just look at the bag tag and realize it's the same plane. And secondly, listen to the notes, and you would have saved yourself the heck of a lot of time and money and gas mileage you know, delivering that bag to me. So It's such a simple um, system. You put a label on there that says this bag should end up in XYZ. Exactly. I, I don't understand how, like, it seems like, what, half the people who travel have their bags just sent to a different... It's like, is the, do they hire someone to just scramble the bags? Like, oh, hey, I'll take this one to California. You know, I get it. Chicago's a very busy airport. There's, there's a lot of passenger traffic. There's a lot of... Uh, well, incompetent workers, but but this was literally the same plane. Like this, I almost sat in the same seat. Um, I walked off. I walked right back on. Mm -hmm. I made it, but my golf bag didn't. But lo and behold, we got got it there, and everything was fine. But I was just like, man, you can't even get a bag there when it doesn't even have to leave the plane. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, now I'm going back to Iowa this weekend, so I'll probably have another story for the next episode of this beautiful podcast. And your golf um, bags will end up in Rochester. <laughs> I'll end up in Rochester with my luck. <laughs> I would I'll show up at your doorstep and be like, hey, Mark, they rerouted me to Rochester. You poor thing. I'll, I'll put a blanket apparently over I, you. Apparently, and... I, apparently, I made one of the flight attendants mad or something. <laughs> you really drew the ire of the flight attendant if you end up in Rochester, folks. <laughs> On purpose. Yeah. I'm going to put a blanket around. You know, like when the firemen give you the comfort blankets? Like, I'm sure. going to have to do that for you and give you hot chocolate because it's September yeah. in Rochester, so it's negative 10. So, yeah, so then there was that. There was, you know, I went golfing. I go golfing a lot with my son. Um, he likes to go out. He likes to drag me out. Cool. I love to golf. Um, I'm not very good at it, but, you know, I took him out one Sunday, and they paired us up with this these two other kids, um, you know, maybe 19, 20, somewhere, somewhere between 18 and 25. And, um, you know, we're playing around and that sort of thing, getting like, oh, you know, where are you from? Where do you go to school and everything? And they told me that they went to St. Xavier, the, the Jesuit school in Cincinnati. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, just kind of kept that in the back of my head, let it stew for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, just out of the blue, after one of their tee shots, I go, man, that looks like you went into Jug. And they looked at me and they go, you know what Jug is? Yes. I go, yeah, dude. Yeah. Not that I was there very often, but I knew what Jug was, and who doesn't? You know. And what does it stand for, by the way? Justice under God. It was our detention at our school. It was. It was the yes. It was the equivalent of detention for a Jesuit school. Um, for a Jesuit school, and they they just looked at me like, wait, what? And I go, yeah, dude. I went to a Jesuit school back in New York. And they're like, really? I go, yeah. I, I know about Jug. I know about Kairos. And they're like, you know about Kairos? <laughs> oh, man, that was awesome. And if you don't know, Kairos is the big retreat that seniors take at McQuaid. Um, it's almost like a rite of passage. It's like culmination of your of your time there. And uh, the campus ministry board did a fantastic job with my Kairos. Granted, I went on the last one, which had like 70 people on it where all the other ones had like 12. Um, but yeah, word to anybody who's at McQuaid right now, don't ever go on the last Kairos retreat because it's just way too big. <laughs> well, I went on the junior year one that was smaller called M-House, and that was good enough. I did that too, and there was only like eight people on mine. Oh, mine was pretty but, big. It was a really great experience. Oh yeah, it was a fantastic experience. But but being in a... being you know, in a, in a close knit setting with just a few people, it really, it really gave a sense of community. The, the 70 people on Kairos, and I might be exaggerating, it might be like 50, but it was a lot of people. Like mm -hmm. they, they almost had, I mean, they had to pair us up in rooms and, um, I mean, the house that, that we did the retreat in was a pretty big house, but I mean, every room was filled and, I feel bad for the people who had to bring the food in because there was a lot of people that we needed to do, uh, that we needed to take care of. But um, shout out to the campus ministry board. I'm sure they're still doing a great job with those retreats and all those folks who uh, sacrifice their time and their energy to make sure that we have a very fulfilling and spiritual time. I, I do enjoy that. So, But yeah, so the Jesuit bond is real, man. You know about Jug, you know about Kairos, and pretty much... Anybody that you talk to who's gone to a Jesuit school 
should know about that. I'm sorry to burst anybody's bubble to say the McQuaid is unique and we're awesome and this and we are, but um, there are other Jesuit schools out there and they have similar morals and principles from what I understand. So and the priests were um, very learned and very crazy. That were your two requirements to be a Jesuit priest. And they were so memorable. Well, and I did tell them that we had the New York Jesuit priests that kept talking about New York back in the fifties and sixties and, you know, some stories that are probably too unsavory for the podcast, but, um, <laughs> but they were awesome. Those priests, they were awesome, awesome indeed. They were awesome indeed. You know, shout out to Father Jack, who always gave yeah. the best stories. Oh, yeah. Father Joe was pretty good, too. Father Brian, you know, all those guys. Uh, and those guys John were Carmelites, so Father let me just rephrase Joe. that. The, Father Joe and Father yeah. Brian were the Carmelites, not the Jesuits, but uh, still yeah. from New York. And, and I think Father Jack was a Carmelite, too, if I'm yes. not mistaken. But, They're all awesome. Um, yeah, I ran into so let me just a couple years clear ago. that up so that way I don't get bombarded. Yes, I know they were Carmelites. They were teachers at McQuaid, but they had some pretty gnarly stories. Um, so... Mark, what do you have planned for Labor Day? I know you just had your family in town. Yeah, um, it's pretty much our usual thing, you know, where it's like, okay, we're going to have a nice cookout, but it's that loathing, that fear and loathing in Rochester when it's like, okay, tomorrow it's going to snow and people are going to hunker down and all fun ceases to exist. Um, But I spent a good, you know, pretty much most of the summer auditioning website tools. And yep. so I did that. I auditioned like 12 horrible website uh, builder tools. Finally found one that's actually phenomenal. So my website, thecomputerexorcist.com, is now beautiful and refreshed. It's the first time I've refreshed it since 2016. And it was kind of a good thing that, that most of the tools were horrible. There was only one tool that was lukewarm, and that actually wasted more of my time. Because it was like, oh, maybe this is going to work. No. Oh, maybe this will work. No. And and it kept teasing me, so um, it was lukewarm. I was looking at that. I was looking at the website. I was you sent me photos. You were doing a photo shoot and everything, and I was wondering whether you were building a website or if you were just gonna debut a Christian rock album because all of these pictures are just <laughs> like you in nature and you looking out into the distance, and then you sitting in front of a bounty of food at I think Longhorn Steakhouse. <laughs> that was totally not in the, the, the Longhorn Steakhouse was not part of the photo shoot. That was, oh, it wasn't. Okay. <laughs> that was just my neighbor inviting me to go there, and uh, it was I'm, just, I got a lot of good food. I'm, I'm like, are you the lead singer in a Christian rock band that I don't know about? Like, like... <laughs> But no, I did <laughs> just... find a really good uh, remote, a uh, good uh, site builder tool, and it, it, yes. my site's phenomenal. So. Oh, yes. And... <laughs> Christian rock band. <laughs> It looked it looked like you were at Cobbs Hill or Ellison Park or something, and you were just looking out in the distance and like pensively thinking about how I'm going to torment the next scammer, which I'm hoping is in your next episode. Oh, yeah. You know what? If I had a Christian rock band, I'm trying to think of what I would call it, probably something like Jesus Saves Me Out of the Depths of Rochester. <laughs> I can't think of one off the top of my head. All I could think of was jumping Jesus, but that's what my mother said when she was surprised about something. <laughs> okay, that could be yours. 
Um, but yeah, so it's just. Uh, but yes, congratulations on the new website. You are just gangbusters with your with your website, your company. You're just your podcast going national, getting in front of all these different vendors and making all these connections. You're doing a fantastic job, and then starting this podcast. And hopefully we can ride the coattails of that success to maybe 50 downloads. Um, <laughs> and thanks. Yeah, the Computer Exorcist podcast, folks. You can hear me yes. being angry. Get it on Google Podcasts. Get it on Stitcher. Get it on Amazon Music. Get it on technosophy.com. Yeah. Um, and, Mark, I, this just came up the last week. I, it really pains me to say because I, I know a few months ago I was very, very distraught when Jerry Springer passed away. Right. Um. Now we find out that Bob Barker died. And people all thought he was already dead. So it's like, what do you mean yes, Bob exactly. Barker died? Exactly. So, you know, he, he passed away a few days ago. He was 99. The internet memes are like, oh, look at Bob Barker getting as close to a dollar as he can without going over. Oh, right. That's so brilliant. It was it was absolutely brilliant. But but again, I do have to go back to now what, a, you know, the national pastime of staying home from school. Right, you, you had to watch The Price is Right. It had to be right. done. Our buddy's dad and, watched it every day religiously, our buddy Phil's dad. Oh, yeah. God, may he rest his soul, too, Phil. Yeah, and the dad. But, uh, but no, Bob. I mean, he came into the house at 11 o'clock. I would always have it on. And, and I still do watch it. I just watch it with Drew Carey every now and again when I'm on vacation. You know, like on Monday when I'm in Iowa ready to fly back. Yeah. I'll still watch it on at 10 o'clock out there. Can't play um, golf. Well, you might as well watch it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I'll, uh, Drew Carey's done a fan, uh, fine job. He's not. No one's going to be Bob Barker, and he knows that. Like, nobody's going to be Alex Trebek. I mean, um, right. Alex Trebek was just the quintessential game show host. But, but um, you know, he just came into our house, you know, Especially, you you knew you were out of school that day once once Prices Right came on. You you knew that you weren't going back. <laughs> there was no like, oh, I have a doctor's appointment at ten. Maybe maybe I'll go back for the afternoon. No, Prices Right hits. You're home. Don't right. even bother coming back. It's like so, stay in your pajamas. <laughs> that's right. That's right. If I don't have them on by 11 o'clock, I'm not putting them on. Hey, side note, I gotta say, I really hope Vanna White takes over the job of um, Wheel of Fortune, because it's like, look, she's a familiar face. She's been working the hardest. She's been hoping to get that top position for like 40 years now. Just let her have it. And and obviously she'd do a much better job than any outsider. You know better than to frustrate the elderly, and who watches Wheel of Fortune but people in waiting rooms and the elderly? So give them the familiarity that they crave. Exactly. Let Vanna White have the job she's she's there for, and yeah, have them yell that. Oh, it's not Pat. Well, it's not Pat. It's Vanna. You've and had Vanna on enough. for forty it's plus like years. You lucky enough to have a familiar person who's been there this whole time, right? D- did you know that they tape a whole season's worth of shows in like thirty-two days, and then the rest of the time they can go to a island vacation? I think that's yes, a brilliant. They tape idea. like they tape like eight shows a day. And I'm pretty sure an operation like Wheel of Fortune just runs like clockwork. Like, you know, they come wow. in, you do your thing, you come out, next audience, next contestants, all that stuff. Wow. But I was looking at like 32 days. I'm like, I go to my wife. I'm like, hey, Bridget, can I go try to host Wheel of Fortune? I'll be gone for 32 days and I can work the rest of it. Yeah. <laughs> or you wouldn't have to. But yeah, I think that's a brilliant idea. I think, you know, once in a while, 
recently I'll record like two of my podcasts together and it feels weird, yeah. right? It, it feels unnatural. I feel like I'm lying to the elderly. <laughs> Don't you lie to the elderly. It's like I said the word tonight, but it's already in the it's in the afternoon and I didn't Don't you lie one. to the elderly. They will put something in your butterscotch. Uh anyway. put something in your butterscotch. Yeah. So are you ready for my stunt? I'm sorry? Are you ready for my stunt? Your stunt? Yeah. Yes. All right, I'm going to pull a stunt on this episode. Oh, boy. Okay. So, you know, you're a, you assigned me as the uh, boots on the ground, right, though? Um, yes, you're my boots on the ground investigative reporter. Yeah, at large, whatever that means. Just like how I'm the unofficial official Midwest correspondent of the Computer Exorcist podcast. Exactly. So, here we go. The elderly already put something in your butterscotch. Be careful. Mmm, <laughs> it's so tender. So, instead of just what giving you a review of something I ate earlier in the day, I'm eating okay. it right now. Oh. <laughs> This is a flyover place first. All right. Mm. I'm eating chicken French. Chicken French. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'll let okay. you give the audience a little background, because I thought up until I dated a girl in 2010 from non-Rochester, I thought chicken French was a worldwide thing, but it's just a Rochester thing. Um, I'll let you explain, no, really then I'll is. give you a little story. It it really is. It's a it's I absolutely love chicken French and my mother used to make it and that was the best. Oh but oh. for it's like a breaded piece of chicken drenched in this like well it's breaded and lightly pan fried and it's drenched in like this lemon butter I don't know, like tarragon or thyme like some type of herby sauce. And it is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I have tried making it once. I remember when I was little and I, I was in high school and I would try to make all these things to either impress girls or impress my mom or just basically cook something. Um, but chicken French, man, I did not know it was outside of Rochester. Kind of like the sheet pizza, which really grinds my gears. <laughs> so you didn't know up until this moment that Chicken French was from Rochester? It just kind of slipped my mind. Like, I never really I never really thought about it. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. I, I never have seen Chicken French at an Italian restaurant that I've eaten at recently. Whether it's here, whether it's in New York, whether it's in Iowa. I, I just It just never really crossed my mind. And you're not going to see it at Olive Garden, sorry. You're not just going to see it at Olive Garden. Oh, yeah, true. Now, um, is there any difference between Chicken French and Chicken Florentine? Yeah, Florentine and Marsala are kind of similar. If you're from elsewhere, that's kind of the, the closest thing you can start thinking about. Yeah, they they usually put spinach with it or something like that. Uh, Yeah, and I always request spinach. All right, so I always request spinach on my chicken French or whatever. All right, here's here's a little thing about it. Um, 
I mean, I am no cook, right? But as far as I understand, it's But you chicken... are a foodie. Oh yeah, I'm a foodie. Absolutely. You you are you have a you have a variable palate. Yeah. So I chicken French is basically chicken breast in an egg wash and then yep. flour. Um yeah, you and dredge then... it, pan fry it type thing. Yeah, yeah, and then you kind of pan sear it, but Rochester people hate flavors, so a lot of times it'll just be boiled and boring. But you're supposed to, you know, pan sear it, but but it's you know what it is? Totally just realized this right now in my life. What's that? Is it's kind of like French toast. Duh, that's why they kind call of sort it of that. Yeah. Wow. So instead of French toast, I mean you do the French. you do the you don't have to dredge French toast in um flour and breadcrumbs, but Right, but it's it's basically yeah, yeah. an egg wash on a chicken breast, and I hate chicken breast by the way because it's usually dry and grilled and dry. But but I will I do love chicken French. So yeah, it's basically an egg wash, and then you throw it in a pan, and it's lemon butter, um, parsley, and sherry or white wine. Yes, and of course, just like pizza, right? Even though the ingredients are the same core ingredients, it's. Mm-hmm varies wildly depending on where you get it yes and by the way you could have artichoke french um yep. it's not vegans there's egg but veal french i've seen before veal too. french is phenomenal i love artichoke french i had it a couple nights ago um haddock french is phenomenal but chicken french is, is the core right because rochester people yeah. like boring so chicken french is the core and then you usually have it over rice um, what else can you have? I've used to, I usually had over noodles, like spaghetti or something. You could totally have it over capellini or spaghetti. I love broccoli with it. Okay. Um, yeah, it's it's look it up, folks. It's really special. Uh, by the way, buddy of mine um, grew up in Tyler, Texas, outside of Dallas, and then he moved to Rochester for college and then ended up staying here, the poor soul. And he told me recently, a couple weeks ago, that he went home to Tyler. And there was chicken French on the menu, and he said, wait a minute, I thought this was a Rochester thing. And they said, yes, sir, but we got it from Rochester. There was some Rochester connection, so they brought it down to Dallas, and people like it down there. Other than Dallas, you can't find it anywhere else on Earth besides Rochester. Wow. Right? And so... Oh, I have... Oh, go mm -hmm. ahead. Go ahead. So Fairfields in in Fairport, New York, has phenomenal chicken French. He's amazing. He's off the boat, but he does you know he's off the boat from Sicily, but he does Italian American stuff like that, and it's incredible. Sure. Um, what I was eating just now was Guidas from Webster, and they are Ooh. phenomenal because it's like an extra insanely tender, like almost Chinese food tender. Okay. It's real extra tender. Oh, by the so, way, tons of minced garlic, by the way. Um, yeah. If you know. want flavor, unless you're Rochester, you don't right. like flavor. Yeah, tons of minced garlic. Um, my favorite, though, has to be Nick Seabreeze Inn, because they somehow, like, maybe flash deep fry it or something, and they use balsamic in their French sauce, which is beyond Ooh. incredible. Oh, you're only going to find that at Nick Seabreeze Inn. So I, I love chicken French, artichoke French everywhere in the world. But to me, Nick Seabreeze Inn is definitely one in a zillion. See, I man, I never had chicken French at Nick Seabreeze Inn. It's been 30 years since I've eaten there. Oh, we're going. But oh, Mark, I'm going to stay for a week in Rochester and eat my way through it. Yes. But um, 
No, when you brought up Chicken French, I, I always thought of Chicken French synonymous being with Red Fidelis Brookhouse. Oh, I, I love and Chicken Parm. I've never had a Chicken French. Here's the kicker, because my dad was just here last weekend. Couple, mm-hmm. Yeah, last weekend. And I was talking to him, because they were just coming down from New York on their way back to Florida. And you want to know something, Mark? You want to know something that just blew my mind? Red Fideli is still alive. So it's just like Bob Barker where people don't realize he was still alive. Exactly. So Red is still alive. Wow, his food's incredible. And I guess he's at the Brookhouse like every day he's in New York. But he always goes back. He goes down to Florida for like six months out of the year. So So both of those activities keep him alive, right? Like keeping an eye on your business, shaking hands with people in your business, and escaping Rochester. Both things keep you living long. But yeah, I guess my dad and my stepmom went there to have dinner once, and he's there just hobnobbing people and just having a grand old time, and it's his place. And that place said, that's what I associate with Chicken French more than anything. But then again, I'm a West Side guy, so we don't go to Nick Seabreeze in as much. We don't have Guidas. We, you know, we had. We had the Brookhouse and Da Vinci's and whatever oh, restaurant that Aquinas grad decided to put up. Uh, um, you also have Papa Joe's and Agatina's, which are both world class. Agatina's Agatina's came later though. It used to be um, used to be something else. I can't remember the name Incredible of it right now, but I know time. I know where Agatina's is in Gates. Yeah, and that is really good food. That is really good food. But it went through ownership like three or four times growing up. Uh. Uh, it, was, also, it was um, right near Bosdykes because Bosdykes was just a cultural staple in, in Gates there. There's also Grandpa um, Sam's, which I haven't tried yet, but it sounds amazing. Bosdykes, people raved about their eggplant parmesan. Their Ooh. eggplant parm was excellent from what I heard, mm. from what my dad said. But then again, my dad eats pretty much anything. Uh-huh. And by the way, there's no eggplant French. That would be no, gross. You cannot do that. No, you can't. No, it needs to be some type of meat or fish or not something that I would put on a plate, per se, not a garbage plate, but no. you know, still a good dish nonetheless. Um, oh, I'm putting it with a nice piece of crusty Italian bread to sop up all that sauce. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, oh, crunchy crust Italian bread. And, and actually, I, I'm eating my chicken French right now on a little soft, random, you know, grocery store soft roll, but... But yeah, crunchy Italian bread with the chicken French. Oh, and yeah, broccoli. Like, like from Marticello's or something like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, rest in peace, Marticelli's, by the way. Oh, man, really? Yeah, because the labor shortage and like some kind of family fights, whatever. It's so sad. They, huge bomber subs for like five bucks. You get like a huge rounded loaf of fresh Italian bread cut in half, loaded with steak, like a steak sub. It, we used to take all the out-of-towners there. It was incredible, and they fell apart. It's so sad. Where was this? Um, Lyle Ave. Oh, yeah, Marticello's Bakery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So sad. Down in my neck of the woods there. No, because so, when I when you said steak sandwich, I'm always like thinking of Campy's on Scottsville Road. They're amazing, too. Don't get me wrong. Which is, my dad took me there when I was in high school for the first time, and he's like, Mike, Campy's is awesome. And, I of course, I get there. a steak bomber, and I down it in, like, five minutes. My dad's like, what the heck? I go, dude, it's food. It's good. I'm going to eat it. Dude, I, I got to go back to Campy's. Now that Marcelli's gone, Campy's would be the only close 
place. Yeah. So, um, you know what's funny about about Chicken French is that every local Irish pub also does a Chicken French, from <laughs> Flaherty's to um, McArdle's. Um, I don't like theirs because they put a lot of cheese. Like, I, I can't eat cheese, and I don't like cheese. Oh. And whenever I tell them no cheese, they put extra grated Parmesan. I love cheese, but you cannot put cheese on chicken French. Unfortunately, people do, Mike, and it's horrible. It's just like, I mean, I personally hate cheese on a hamburger, and I hate I, I hate soda. So uh-huh. it, they ruin the taste of whatever it is you're eating. Yeah. I love cheese, but there are just some things you don't put on chicken French. Now, Mark, I'm gonna have, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna put something out there for the, for the world to see, mm. because I never ate these growing up. But since I got married, since I had kids, started trying different things. What would you think of charred Brussels sprouts with your chicken French? Um. Normally, I I might have seen like I obviously broccoli's the best. Um, yeah, once well, in a while I'm a spin. I would love spinach with it, but oh, and, and the all other the same. Night, but but yeah, but but one of the things my wife actually likes that I make is when I roast Brussels sprouts and I get that like almost burnt char on them. Yeah, and maybe pairing that with the lemon butter sauce might actually work. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm like processing it in my head, and so and, and side note, a couple nights ago, I, Monday night, I was at Fairfields and got their artichoke French, and I always ask for spinach on it, and it's incredible. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, and and sometimes maybe once or twice I've had asparagus with it, and it's like asparagus. I don't know. I'll take it if it's there because it's healthy, man. But yeah, no, I'm not a huge asparagus totally fan, but yeah, but this spinach, kale, collard greens, any of those would work. Yeah, um, no, you're um, on to something, and I think Brussels sprouts would be totally acceptable. It's definitely not a canon. It's not kosher, per se, but it would No, work. but it would just be something to try, because Brussels sprouts by themselves, they taste like feet. <laughs> Says have, the guy who works put them on with hot feet sauce. all day. I have to put them with hot sauce or country sweet or something. I'm balsamic, um, dude. Balsamic, yeah. Mm. Oil and balsamic. That's how my brother makes them in the air fryer. And you got to do oil and balsamic. It's incredible. I mean, I'll, I'll cook them in bacon fat and all that stuff. I'll, I'll fry yeah. up the bacon and I'll put it with bacon fat and everything. But it's obviously, yeah, you could do a little healthier with, yeah. But I've put it with, um, when I make them, I have to eat them with like hot sauce or country sweet. And okay. It makes it that much better. Um, but man, if you put that as a side dish with chicken French with the lemon and butter sauce over it, man, I, I think we might have to try this. Yeah. So I highly encourage all of you out there to try chicken French. There's even a book about it. It's called Frenching Food Italian Style by Nate Cianciola, <laughs> who claims that he and his family restaurant invented chicken French. And by the way, it's not French. It's Italian American, okay? It's polo francese. And it's, you know, like, Italians will sometimes give each other last names of some other nationality. And apparently it's not that the person's from there. It's just their descriptor. Where, like, uh, Martin Scorsese. I believe Scorsese just means Scottish. Um, They just gave that guy that name, but he's still an Italian guy, right? So I think polo francese just means, like, chicken in a style we assume the French would have done. Sure. <clears throat> um, 
And that book is available by uh, Fossil Press, and we know them, so that's really cool. Um, Yes, it's called French Food Italian Style. I encourage you all to seek out Chicken French or make it at home. I encourage you to just get out there and cook. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no shortage of restaurants that will offer you some version of Chicken French in Rochester. Yeah. Some of them may actually be good. What's that? Even an Irish pub. It's funny because you yes. go in Irish pubs and it's like, yeah, we have Italian American food here because it's Rochester. Yeah. Um, so I do have a couple shout outs. I do have to give a couple shout outs here in Ohio. I have to give a shout out to Shaddix Pizza. Why, you ask? Because, well, I went there for lunch on Friday, got one of their, got one of their steak sandwiches, which are pretty good. But as they're cooking the steak sandwiches and it's like a little convenience store. They have alcohol, beer, wine, pop, not soda, pop. And I'm cruising through the coolers, like all these different things. I see all these weird, obscure micro brews. And then all of a sudden, what do I see? A six pack of Jenny Light, or not Jenny Light, Honey Brown. Oh, the best. And then I look further down and I see a six pack of. Jenny Ice Tall Boys. I'm like, all right, well, I never have to go back now. I never have to go to Rochester. <laughs> That's you don't have to come. Aside from like chicken French, yeah, you basically, aside from some good chicken French, yeah, you don't have to go home anymore. You've got Rochester brought. <laughs> no, to I need you. to go back. I need <laughs> okay. to go back. I need to get back at some point because, well, for one, all of these people that are watching the or listening to the podcast, I need to get back and hobnob with them and give them some appreciation that you know what they do really does make me feel good um their patronage really does help this podcast and makes me want to keep doing it that and all the intros i get to do for mark um (laughs) but in any event it's just it's just nice reminiscing about these things because like chicken french hadn't crossed my mind in at least a decade like i never even thought about it and um now that there's 35 different restaurants in rochester that'll do it but um i kind of want to make i kind of want to just like tell bridget hey i'm gonna make this lemony butter chicken dish and she might actually like it oh i'll put brussels sprouts with it no, I think it would be an awesome, fun thing for you guys to do and keep trying till you get it really good. I think it would be a nice thing for you to do for her for some special occasion or something. I might do that, actually. You know, being a foreigner, you can introduce her to your culture. Well, <clears throat> your Rochesterian me... foreign culture. <laughs> hey, she's been to Lugia's ice cream. <laughs> she wants she, to go back just to go have Lugia's ice cream. And she went to Zeb's and she went to Abe's over here. She's going to Abe's. She went to Zeb's. She's been to some other hots place. I can't remember which one. <laughs> which one did I take her to? I don't think I took her to the one in Ga- the, old, the old Nick Tahoe's, now Steve T's. Oh, yeah. I definitely didn't take her to the one on West Main. I didn't do that. Um, I thought I took her somewhere else, but, you know, we've been dating for so long, I can't even remember anymore. Um, but yes, the, it's good to see those establishments still standing, and I want to keep going with that. And it's good to see anything still standing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 
<laughs> oh, that hasn't been looted and ransacked. The only industries in Rochester at this point are garbage plate places and hospitals, because you just eat and then you have a heart attack and go to the hospital. Well, senior living facilities, Mark. Senior, Of course, facilities. 99% of people are over 90, so senior living facilities and Chevy dealers, because everyone buys a Chevy every day. <laughs> Yeah, everybody buys Chevys and Fords down here, too. It's like, like really, guys? Do you really want to get, uh, do you really want to have a car work for 10 minutes and then have it back <laughs> Exactly. Um, shout out to my friends Jeff and Stephanie. Uh, they came over the house for dinner the other night, and uh, they actually tried some country sweet. I'm spreading the word, Mark. They, it wasn't. It wasn't bad. It's incredible. They, they, sauce. they didn't hate it. So it's kind of like duck sauce. Would you say? Kinda, kinda. <clears throat> it's 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 like a peppery duck sauce. And that was the mild. It wasn't the hot. I wasn't busting out the hot. I'm saving that for myself. <laughs> but yes, trying to spread the word as much as I can. Um, my brother-in-law and his wife came out. It's been a very busy month. That's why I took till the. 29th of august to do the episode but they came out and come to find out my sister-in-law absolutely loves country sweet she raids my in-laws fridge whenever they go over there for dinner they make brats or hot dogs or hamburgers she's got to have the country sweet that's cool you gotta so i told her you need to put it on fries you need to put it on mashed potatoes heck you might even put it on eggs no fried chicken which i tried the other day and it's actually really really good Mm. so um so yeah shout out to them the great people um they my kid plays with their son and well the, their kids are close in age with mine um their son's a year older than eli and my uh their daughter's about a year older or you know the same age as my daughter so they're going to be in kindergarten together next year so you know so I, coming across those things at, at local establishments again Shaddock's is a great middletown establishment they have excellent pizza their steak sandwiches are pretty good not on the level of Campy's or Marticello's or anything like that. Not even close. Mm. Um, but again, I got to do what I can here. I make cheesesteaks down here. Go get some shredded beef uh, from beef that I got from my cow guy. All right. Oh, Mark, you needed. Uh, I'm going through all the other things that we need to talk about. You said chicken French. Frankie's Donuts. Oh right! If you all right, well, you give a thing Frankie's about donuts. Bill's donuts. El- Enlighten us, about, please. Yeah, you want to talk about Bills, and I'll talk about Frankie's. Absolutely. So, for those of you who are local to Dayton or Southwest Ohio, Bills Donuts is this little mom and pop shop. It's it does donuts. It used to be open for like twenty four hours, seven days a week, and it is one of those cultural icon establishments. So anybody in Dayton, no matter where you, if you're from here, you know Bill's Donuts. They always rate in like one of the top 50 donut shops in the country. They do. It, it's a, and you go in there and it looks like, it looks like it's straight out of the 60s. The lights are yellow. 
the furniture is like hard pressed wood. I think it's like got an orange color to it. Yes. It's got the wood paneling on the sides. Um, they updated the cash registers, but I think that was only about five or six years ago. Hmm. But they, you go up to the counter. They have the glass panels, the, uh, the, the glass display windows of all the different donuts and muffins and pastries that they make. And then you could get a donut. And, and it's still like it's only like six ninety nine for a dozen or something like that. It's not expensive at all. And everybody and their brother. I mean, you go in the morning on any given day. The line is out the door. But they fill orders real fast. So if you and if you ask my one of my friends uh, who came out for our wedding, they have magic healing powers. But I'll bring him on the show and have him tell the story about <laughs> about that. Um, but it's just it's one of those cultural icons like. You know Bill's Donuts. You know where it is. It just brings back all those nostalgic memories for people here in Dayton. So that's Bill's Donuts. They they have the, the their sour cream donut is by far their best, my favorite donut whatsoever. And again, if you ask my friend Mike, he they have magical healing powers. Um, so that's Bill's. Let's. What's about how is Frankie's compared? I, I mean, I I haven't been, but you please take me to Bill's when I'm there. Oh, um, absolutely. But yeah, Frankie's uh, f- buddy of mine uh, took me. I think it was last year, and I went once or twice since, and just phenomenal. You know, crusty old place, same description, orange benches, all that glass counter, and the donuts are out of this world. And it's just, it's one of the few businesses, I mean, no kidding, in Niagara Falls on the American side. Like, it is just uh, destruction everywhere. But it's one yeah. of the few businesses that's still there. It's a very special place. And there's this biker-looking guy who runs it. And, and of course, you know, he's just your classic business owner guy. And the boxes and the signs say, Frankie's Donuts open uh, 24-8. Uh, sorry, 25-8. We're open 25 hours a day, eight days a week, and 366 days a year. Like, they pride themselves (laughs) on being open that much. Um, So it's just awesome. And in in Boston, you have Donut King, which is not the one from the TV show. It's just another one, but a nice little family that runs it. They have phenomenal breakfasts, and the donuts are huge and amazing, and they usually sell out halfway through the day because Boston has an economy and hope and people who can afford food. Yes. Uh, it's amazing. It's I mean that's like super. Could be my favorite in the world. Um and then in Rochester we do have we have your usual, you know, every other building in Rochester is now a Dunkin' Donuts or a weed dispensary. Oh. We talked about that and so I'm sick of those, but um we have Donuts Delight, which was resurrected from the fifties. Uh and they're pretty really? decent, little pricey, but they're pretty good. But Ridge I do Donut. Do remember that place actually? Do you remember Ridge Donut on East Ridge? They are unbelievable yes. definitely the best in rochester by far yeah again being on the west side it was buckman's donuts um buckman's was really good 
I can't even remember what else. Oh, I never had that. On the yeah. west side. Yeah, and, you know, closed. when my grandma was in the St. Anne's nursing home, it was two doors down from Ridge Donuts. So on Ooh. Sundays, we'd go to church at the nursing home, and then they would bring us huge trays of Ridge Donuts for free as we all sat around socializing with our elderly people. Wow. It was the best thing in the world. So, actually, it just reminded me of a story um, about Bill's Donuts. And just how much of a cultural icon it was. After my wedding, after we, after the wedding, after the reception, um, all of our friends, we went on a donut run. It was eleven thirty at night. This oh, was that's great. March of twenty thirteen. And we, I'm like, dude, you guys all have to go on a donut run. A couple of my friends who have been who have, who've been here visited me beforehand. They're like, yeah, we have to go. This is so great. Forget about a honeymoon. We got Bill's Donuts to go to. We, we got Bill's Donuts. So we went with some of my friends and went on a donut run. And at 1130 at night on a, on a Saturday. <laughs> and Mark, it was full of like high school kids. It was full of like teeny, you know, like people you would imagine going to the mall, going to like Eastview Mall or something like that. No, they're at Bill's Donuts at eleven thirty at night eating donuts and co- and drinking like iced coffees. They need a safe place to go like that. I love that. We Absolutely, out at Starbucks before school. Absolutely, yeah. and they weren't causing any trouble. They weren't right. like you know suspicious in any way. They were friendly. Donuts. They were chatting it up with us, but really, but they were probably it. shocked to see a giant wedding party walk in. Well, yeah, it was wasn't really that huge. It was just me and a couple friends. Um, Still, but we were we, we were walking in like suits and you know our ties all unbuttoned, looked like we'd just gone home from prom. Yeah, but but yeah, so I mean, even even the the children, the kids of the generation knew what Bill's Donuts was and is and. That was their hangout spot. That was the max for them. And for those of you who uh, are familiar with Saved by the Bell, but that was their hangout, and 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 we were just chatting it up with them and, and having a good old time. Like we, we we were surprised that you know kids wanted to do something like hang out at Bill's Donuts, and kids were like, "What are you old people doing here?" I'm like, "Shut up! I just got married." <laughs> Yeah, when they call us old. <laughs> so in any event, yeah. So I mean, you know anybody from Dayton? And now, now fortunately, my office is like right down the street from Bill's Donuts. It's a two-minute drive, and if I really wanted to walk it, I could. Wow. But yeah, Worth I that. can. I'm I'm so blessed to have Bill's Donuts in in a very close proximity. And plus, people get to bring me donuts, too. So that's always nice. Oh, man. Um, wow. Uh, can I give a shout-out before we go to bed? Absolutely. Want to shout-out to our high school classmate, Dr. Joe, who's in Tampa? Do- Dr. Joe. Yeah, thanks so much for listening. Yes, thank you. That... Hope we've really brought appreciate you a little... that. And... Yeah, hope we brought you some Rochester to Tampa. Hope. <laughs> Hope we can bring you some joy to your life. I don't know how much joy Rochester brings these days, but <laughs> Mark knows about it. Yeah, it only brings joy to those who've escaped. We, yeah. So, yeah, I think that's about it. I got to get uh, everything squared away before I go on my next adventure to Iowa and then maybe go shotgun another beer. 
before I go to bed. All right. That's yeah. so um again, thanks to Mark Anthony Arena for staying up. I know he was kind of dragging a little bit like oh, i don't know if i really want to do this and we'll do half a show and of course now <laughs> an hour and 15 minutes in <laughs> it's, it's here so we are it. you're worth it um so i appreciate mark staying up with me for that i appreciate all of you for listening and taking some time out listening to me ramble listening to me rant i hope we bring a little bit of joy to your life a little bit of nostalgia and um this is dr mike for the flyover plates podcast Take care, and we will see you next time. And get yourself one of those old 70s satellite dishes. That's right. <laughs> <laughs>